0: You already know Sharp Football Analysis is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. You can choose from the season-long four-week or weekly packages that best suit your needs. But this week, Atlanta and Carolina will be helping us determine a discount for the loyal readers and listeners. The total points scored in Thursday night's game will represent the percentage discount site-wide on sharpfootballanalysis.com for Friday, October 30th. Head to sharpfootballanalysis.com on Friday morning where the discount code will be made available at the top of the homepage at Analysis com Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I'm Dan Pizzuta, joined here Rich Rebar, TA, team here at Sharp Football Analysis. Guys, here we go, week eight, almost halfway through the season, how we do it. Yeah, last game in
1: October tonight. uh, If you're listening to this on a Thursday, and then the games are all in November, so everyone's got to set their clocks back. uh, Halloween night, Uh, lose an hour of sleep, but that means football comes an hour earlier for us on Sunday.
2: Yeah, and this is the uh, as you talk about November coming in. This is really the first week that we're going to have to pay attention to the weather. I mean, I know that Denver game last week with all the snow, but you know there are like four or five games. Um, especially in the Midwest that have a ton of wind implications. And as Rich knows from a fantasy perspective, wind is you know, probably the best predictor of um, kind of over unders and, you know um, points when it comes to throwing the football. So, you know, in Cleveland and and green Bay, Buffalo, Chicago, those are a couple that have winds expected to be like 25 miles an hour plus. And then you add, and I know in Cleveland here, we're supposed to have some light rain. So you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, we've been talking about the overs for a number of weeks uh, early in the season and unders are starting to hit a little bit more. But, um, you know, we're seeing these point, point totals uh, drop. I mean, the Browns' point total uh, with the Raiders went from like 56 to down to about 53 and a half 54. So uh, keep an eye on the weather. Uh, we're turning uh, to, uh, you know, again, the clocks are turning back and uh, the weather's turning ugly. So uh, that's, that's going to be a big factor as we start to evaluate some of these games going forward.
1: Man, I bet that under on Monday, and I just forgot, like, how just – I haven't bet a lot of unders this year just the way the season's gone. I just forgot how, like, not fun it is having unders. Like, it's, not, <laughs> like it's, just, it's not. It's not. But, such... I, I mean,
2: after the hot start, the, the overs are only 53 and 49, yep. uh, so barely above 500. It's just, again, it's it's always going to catch up. inflation of um of these totals, I mean, the, the markets, uh, you know, get it. And so, you know, they scored – the team scored over 50 points on average last week, and it, and it went under – uh, yep. more often than, than over, which is pretty crazy to consider. So uh, I think you can continue to see that, um, you know, going forward. So it's hitting the right spots and hitting the right uh, the right teams to go under. And definitely that Monday night with that horrible Bears offense uh, with a good defense, they're kind of ripe for for unders in general.
0: Yeah, we'll see. And then when you – like I think – what was it, last Thursday night? I think I hadn't – the worst hedge I possibly could have done had uh, – with the, the Giants-Eagles, had Daniel Jones under uh, 0.5 interceptions because I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe, we'll see. But then I also had uh, a Darius Slay to have an interception. So, of course, um, Daniel Jones threw the interception, and it was not to Darius Slay. So it was just a, a complete miss uh, of all things. And, and this is why I am not the sports betting Uh, guy on this podcast I just facilitate uh the conversation and throw out some stats so uh do not listen to me for recommendations um at all (laughs) but while we do that let's let's get into uh some of these games uh let's hit the Thursday night game real quick because I think it's interesting like like you said some of the weather we have to watch out for it's supposed to rain tonight um in in Carolina so we'll see that it's a big reason why Christian McCaffrey is not going to play we'll get another. Game of of Mike Davis at Carolina right now. I'm looking at the DraftKings, minus two. Uh, I think just this is an interesting game. Carolina's kind of starting to really put things together. This this offense is clicking uh we got Robbie Anderson you know doing the Robbie Anderson thing to get in those you know nice short routes um DJ Moore becoming a bigger part of this offense is kind of what we were waiting for uh earlier in the season he's hitting more on, on those deeper routes like he's become the deep threat um in that offense I think this is the the one offense where there's two receivers who are separately Averaging forty percent of the team's air yards, and that's in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Um, so I- I'm really interested to see, you know, what what this team continues to look like because you know this defense, kind of, well, we've talked about it before. It's it's putting some things together. It's still not great, uh, but it's not the league worst defense that we expected. It's around the league worst against the run, but you know who cares? Um, especially when you're going against, you know, a, a Todd Gurley led Falcons or rushing attack that hasn't really been able to do anything. Uh, so I- I'm pretty fascinated by uh, what this matchup uh, looks like tonight. What, what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I think for a Thursday night game, this is actually a fun matchup. we got the point total uh, above 50 here. Um, and, you know, these teams did just play a couple of games ago, uh, 23-16 game that Carolina won. That was without Julio Jones. So obviously a huge factor. Matt Ryan splits with and without Julio Jones this year are, just, are massive. I mean, he, he essentially throws over 300 yards in every game with Julio and without him, he, he really struggles. So uh, I think it's gonna be a fun game uh, to me, I personally took Atlanta on a tease, uh, plus eight and a half. And I paired them up with, with green Bay, essentially just to win, uh, their game against Minnesota. Cause I just think, I mean, all Atlanta does is play close games. Um, same with Carolina, really, um, two, two teams that just play really close games. Cause they don't have great defenses and they have pretty good offenses. And, uh, I think it's gonna be a fun game. I, I'm curious to see how healthy Julio is, you know, he's, he he's been uh, kind of broken this year at times uh, last week you know i was talking to uh, to the guys before the pod about how you know he, he would catch like a 10 yard slant and he would just get up and limp off the field and he did it almost every time it was kind of a heroic performance cuz he clearly is not healthy um and now he's coming off a short week i'm not sure how healthy he can he can be and how many snaps he can play but when he is in there, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be effective just because the Carolina secondary has been you know, pretty good this year above expectation, but their best corners, Rasul Douglas, one of the better corners this year, according to PFF. Uh, I'm not even sure if he's playing. I know he's on the COVID list. I don't know if you guys have seen that yet, but that's going to be a big factor because uh, backing him up, uh, Troy pride jr. Uh, out of Notre Dame is a fifth round rookie. It's been one of the worst rookie or one of the worst corners in the NFL this year by a lot of metrics you know he would probably get more playing time. He wouldn't be on Julio, but he he would be more more involved with that uh you know Falcons uh three wide receiver sets. So uh, keep an eye on that. I think it's going to be a good game. Um you know you've got two two defenses that are going to allow some points. You've got two pass rushes that are not very good. Uh, Carolina is one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL. Um and Gross Matos, the rookie out of Penn State who's been one of their better pass rushers is not going to play in this game. So uh expect a expect a close game. I think it's going to be a um you know, decent amount of points, and uh, let's see. It's kind of how let's figure out how Atlanta is going to blow this game. Is really how it's going to come down to it. probably a missed extra point or something to lose by one. That's probably be my guess. But uh, looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, me and Dan were talking before the show, and it's about the you know how just condensed that Panthers uh, game was last week on like the the game pass. It's it's like oh, it's under thirty minutes, which was amazing. And you look at the Panthers because of the way they play offense, which is, you know, more intermediate short passing and it's efficient passing and the way they play defense, which is no team plays more zone coverage than the Panthers. And they just allow teams to throw short completions and keep like their games uh, out of all teams that have played seven games. They are, Second to last in possessions per game, and their opponents average the fewest possessions per game. So the, these teams don't get the ball a lot in Panthers games because of the way they play defense. They just they don't rush the passer, and they just allow teams to to complete short passes. And they actually lead the NFL in yards allowed per completion and yards allowed per pass attempt. They're just giving up these short passes and making tackles. Uh, but their games are pretty unique because of that. They, they, the the changes just keep moving. The clock keeps moving in their games um, continuously. Um, that's why you see some of their, their unders hit you know continuously um even outside of some of their opponents just because the way the systematically they're they're playing defense and like dan said they've just been adequate but that's kind of been enough for them you look at they've been in every game so far this year i mean they lost or one of their losses by double digit points and that was the bucks game uh, other than that they've just played close games and really been in every game uh, and i think we'll be to the, see them well their favorites so, i mean we're expecting them to be in the game tonight as well and it's just kind of this falcons thing like who you know, you look at them, they've led for 47% of their offensive snaps. That's 10th in the NFL. Uh, but just find a way to lose at the end of all these games. I'm curious to see if tonight is like a showcase game for Todd Gurley. There's really no reason why they shouldn't try to trade him if someone is interested. I mean, he signed the one-year contract. Uh, they're not going anywhere. Um, why not if he's if he has a good game like why not just move him for anything at this point um other than that i don't i'm curious to see any other guys tack mckinley's not going to play too maybe he's been rumored to be available in trades as well so interesting to see what the falcons you know come out and who doesn't play or who gets showcased as we head into the extended period where they have a couple more extra days to work on these final trades because uh they're not they're not going anywhere
0: yeah, and it's everything is going to be interesting to watch, especially just for you know who is playing, who's not, just uh, through all of these games uh, with the trade deadline coming up. So, like I said, it's it's trade deadline uh, November third, uh, but we'll see because of you know the um, all the protocols that are that are getting that need to be in place for players to get into new facilities. Uh, So, you know, we're recording this Thursday morning. We'll see if any trades break uh, while we record again, uh, because that happened uh, last week, but I would expect probably, you know, Thursday and Friday to be, um, probably more active than, you know, next Tuesday, um, is so we'll keep an eye out for that. So let's move on to some of the games that are on, uh, this Sunday slate. Cause I, we have an interesting slate again. I think, you know, we were looking like, you know, two, three weeks ago, some of these Sunday games weren't great, but last week, I think we had a really, um, you know, entertaining, um, mm. afternoon. I think we're there again. I think what really stands out here to, to me is, uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, It's just two fascinating sides of the ball going at it. Um, You have you know a Pittsburgh defense that has one of the best pass rushes in the league, a heavy blitzing team going against uh, a Baltimore offense that has not been good against the blitz. Lamar Jackson just hasn't really been able to handle that; hasn't really worked out the the scrambling uh, against. Uh, that blitz and th- there's just not uh, a safety outlet really um, in, in that Baltimore passing offense. You know, the, you have Mark Andrews, but he's, he's not really the, you know, the, the short intermediate guy. And you don't really have a lot of other passing options for Lamar Jackson to work against the blitz. So that's really hurt them a bit. And then on the other side, you have this Baltimore um, defense that's been blitzing all the time, uh, but you have, you have Ben Roethlisberger who has like turned into Derek Carr. Uh, this year just it, it, impossible to get pressure on him because he's getting the ball out so quickly he leads the league in, in time to throw this year 2.33 seconds last week against the titans it was a 2.05 seconds that's it, it's impossible to get pressure uh, on that type of quarterback because he's just not in the pocket long enough um and that was not you know to avoid a titans pass rush because <laughs> the titans can't rush the passer uh, they have one of the uh, lowest pressure rates um, in, in the league so this is just uh it's a concerted effort from the steelers to get the ball out of ben roethlisberger's hands quickly and get the ball to their wide receivers in space um so you're going to be having that go against uh, a baltimore blitz uh but against baltimore corners who are really good and can uh, hold up in you know man-to-man coverage so just all of this everything going against both sides of the ball here is just a completely fascinating matchup to see what wins out
2: Yeah, and this line opened uh, interesting at five and a half, and it got bet down pretty quickly, down to three and a half for the Ravens. Um, I personally took Baltimore at three and a half. I I had this line at four and a half, so it's kind of in between where it opened and where it is now. And I just think, you know, with all things being equal, um, you know, the line is probably right, but when you add in the fact that Pittsburgh is off of a tough game on the road, against Tennessee. Now they, they have to go back on the road again, not, not huge travel issues, but you're going back to back road games against two, you know, tough physical teams. You had to face Derek Henry and I get to face, um, you know, this Ravens, the team, you know, it's not an easy task. Uh, Baltimore is coming off of a bye, and it can't, come, and it couldn't have come at a better time. You know, one issue, I think for Lamar Jackson, he struggled, especially throwing the ball lately. Um, really he, he hurt his knee week four against uh, Washington uh, was on the injury report against Cincinnati. It was actually you know, pretty questionable to even play. He missed practice a few times that week, if we recall. Um, the last game before the bye uh, against, uh, against the Eagles, he did run for over 100 yards, so he did start to pick that up again. So I think the, the bye came at a really good time for him to, to get that knee right because obviously if if he's just a pocket quarterback and he doesn't have a big threat to run, it's a totally different way to play him, right? I mean, he's just not nearly as effective. So I think if, as long as he's healthy now, um, I think he can do some damage against the linebacking core. I mean, look, Devin Bush for the Steelers, obviously out. He he missed the last game. They have an undrafted free agent, Robert Spillane, um, in his third year who who came in, you know, and and played for Bush last week. And, you know, we all saw that big hit that he had on Derrick Henry, but really, he didn't play well. I mean, he had a a 47.9 PFF grade. He only had two and a half tackles, only had one solo tackles. Um, had zero run stops, which is a PFF stat. Essentially, a, um, any stop that constitutes a negative rush play uh, doesn't have to be yardage, but just kind of a negative play uh, for the offense. So he didn't really do anything there. Uh, he has zero, or he has two run stops on 37 rush attempts this season, which is a 5.4% rate. Devin Bush, who he's replacing, had an 8.9% rate, so essentially, you know, almost half of what Bush was producing. And then you have Vince Williams is the other uh, main linebacker for. Pittsburgh, who's 81st in tackling efficiency out of 89 qualified linebackers. So I think, you know, I think you could get Lamar out in space here against those linebackers. I think he can do some damage, um, and obviously the bye helps. John Harbaugh's teams historically have been really good off a bye, 9-4 and four against a spread, almost 70% um, against a spread off a of bye. And just looking at this Pittsburgh offense, like you mentioned, I mean, Ben has really just been a dink and dunk quarterback this year. He's getting the ball out quick, but he really hasn't faced – any sort of secondary that can man up and, and play tight coverage, where he won't be as effective, uh, potentially doing that. Um, so I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup um, with the Big Ben uh, quick passing game against this, you know, heavy blitz uh, defense. And you know, when you look at kind of the Steelers, yeah, they're six and zero, and I think they're they're one of the bigger stories so far. They only have a plus sixty eight point differential, um, which, if you look at kind of Pythagorean. Uh, expectation you you would expect the Steelers to win 4.4 games. so really you know they've kind of overproduced by 1.6 wins which is third third most in the NFL yet in the fact that they've had the second easiest schedule according to football outsiders to date you know that that overperformance is even even larger so this really is probably a four and two type team that's masked as a six and oh team in my opinion Um, and so if that were that were the case if they were four and two you know what, what would this line be so all that being said, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's always a tough game between these two teams, but I think that you're getting Pittsburgh get a little bit over, overpriced here, um, you know, in, in general by the market. And uh, I think that this, this is a good spot coming off a buy for, for the Ravens to, uh, to cover.
1: Yeah. I think that that's the biggest factor It's the first time I think since Harbaugh has been there that these teams have met with either team coming off of a buy Uh, It's the tightest rivalry since 2008, since it's been these two head coaches, uh, divisional rivalry in in the NFL, just the average margin of victory is 7.3 points, which is the lowest of all division rivalries since over that span. I just, when you look at this, if it was a cleaner spot, I'd probably like the Steelers more if it wasn't them coming off of the back, being a back-to-back road games, Ravens off of a bye, talking about Harbaugh. They've been practicing for this game for two weeks. The, The Steelers are built, though, to, to just give the Ravens and Lamar Jackson problems. Like they, if you look at last year, they, they took them to overtime with Mason Rudolph uh, and then Duck Hodges had to come into that game. That was a the game they probably could have won where Juju fumbled, um, Marlon Humphrey stripped Juju uh, and then the, the Ravens go and win that game. But they were in Lamar's back pocket the entire game. It was the worst game Lamar Jackson had played until that Chiefs game this year as a starting quarterback. Um, you know, he, he threw three interceptions, had 160 passing yards. It was a disaster the entire game. Um that game also Devin Bush made a ridiculous interception on Mark and play of Mark Andrews in that game. Uh, but they they are just built to give Lamar Jackson problems. He doesn't make quick reads, he does, he's not an anticipatory thrower. Uh, he's been awful against the Blitz. 57% completion rate, 5.4 yards per attempt against the Blitz this season. Uh, no one blitz the only team that blitzes more than the Steelers is the team that they're playing, the Ravens. Uh, so it's it's gonna be a problem here because Uh, Lamar, like Dan said, they just don't have those outlet guys. And they're not running the ball with their running backs effectively really at all this season. I mean, it's really all been Lamar. They've had a couple splash runs from J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram, but they are not consistently getting good gains on the ground. And this is a team you're not going to be able to just line up and be able to run the football on either. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic. Um, I just do think the edge kind of goes the, the the ancillary things favor Baltimore here, you know, having the bye week, being at home. The Steelers come in a second bye week. They're due a little bit of regression inherently. Uh, but I am very interesting to see if this is a great bounce back spot for Lamar Jackson because I don't believe it is. Um, Just the way that this Steelers defense is structurally built um, and the way that he's fundamentally played over his career as a passer. uh, He's going to have to generate some big plays uh, because that's been kind of the bugaboo for the Steelers so far. So we'll see if that kind of continues, but it's gonna be an exciting game. I think this is the best rivalry in the NFL, easily over the past decade, because uh, the 49ers and Seahawks, who also play this week, have had a couple lol years in there where these teams have basically been consistently good for a decade plus, at least since Harbaugh and Tomlin have both been there. Uh, so, I mean, it's easy—the marquee game, probably in the early games.
0: Yeah, I'm just—I'm so fascinated by. I mean, I think we're going to, you know, talk about the, the offensive side of the ball, but how the defenses are attacking these quarterbacks who who do have, um, you know very clear flaws uh, this year and how they attack. I'm very interested uh, to see um, how how the Ravens are going to go about um, just defending Roethlisberger and that and that quick release and, and trying to figure it out. And I think trying to mess with some, you know, quick coverages that they see. I think we'll kind of see, you know, uh, in the, the first game of the season, they screwed with Baker Mayfield just completely. Um, mm-hmm. And some of the reads he was having and uh, changing up what he saw pre and post snap. And I think we'll see that a little bit. I think we'll see like that. Um, I remember that the interception uh, Baker Mayfield threw that had Calais Campbell just, out of nowhere dropping into coverage from uh, the middle of the defensive line. I I think we'll kind of see some of those sim pressures and stuff like that. I think Calais Campbell has like six coverage snaps uh, this season. I I think we might see that again, just um, Baltimore dropping players into coverage uh, you might think are rushing and and rushing uh, players you might think are are dropping – Uh, into coverage. And I I think we'll see some of that confusion. So I I think it's going to be uh, super interesting from, from just from both sides of the ball. It's definitely the, the game I'm most looking forward to watching. So, um, i curious no. if they
1: start blitzing less too with the Ngakwe move or if that was just the Chiefs game plan move because they realized they can't yeah they we'll can't see. That. that's just kind Mahomes. of like
0: it's just a thing that that's that's who they are and and that's what they're going to do and you know in nine times out of ten it's going to work out and that, that tenth time is when you play Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs um so we'll see but I think you know Ngakwe is probably going to be that guy who's just he's going to be that consistent rusher, that guy you know is going to be rushing you know, 98% of the time. And Baltimore just doesn't really have that guy. So I think that kind of is eventually going to give them uh, the ability to disguise who else is coming along with Ngakwe. But I think they just kind of needed that, that pass rusher. And I, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, when Ngakwe does get on the field, um, uh, if that's going to reduce the amount they're blitzing, I think that just kind of helps them cover up the other guys uh, who are eventually going to blitz. So I think that's just a super interesting piece that they're going to add there against, you know, a secondary that, that has been playing well. And that's, I think what their difference is from Pittsburgh, uh, where they have that defensive line that's playing well, they're blitzing all the time. And they just haven't always had the coverage. The coverage has been hit or miss behind it. So uh, we'll see whether that can, you know, hold up um, when they're getting to the quarterback against Baltimore. so let's, and, uh, let's just...
2: I wanted to mention one thing real quick. Uh, I agree with Dan or with, uh, with Rich. You know, we did see it with DeAndre Swift. We've seen it in other occasions, kind of the post buy bump for rookie running backs. Um, Dobbins did get nine carries before uh, before the bye with the uh, the Ingram injury, but he's really the one, uh, cor- uh, the one running back who's who's really given this offense some juice. You know, Gus Edwards really isn't that guy, neither is Ingram. You know, Dobbins has had multiple kind of 25 plus yard carries out of, you know, pretty limited sample size. Um, so I, I want to see him get more, more carries. You know, we'll see if he's, you know, how he is on from a kind of a blitz pickup perspective. Obviously, that would be huge here. Um, so I don't know if Harbaugh is going to, um, you know, play it safe from that perspective. But I, I think that he's the one guy that can kind of open up this offense a little bit, um, you know, going forward. So we'll be curious to see if he could get a little bit more, more run this week.
1: Yeah, Gus Edwards, man, he's a solid back. If he's, He just missed his mark in the NFL era by, like, 15 years. If he was, like, <laughs> you know, if he would have, like, late late 80s, early 90s, even into the, like, late 90s, like, he would have been a guy, like, we would have been, like, weirdly been, like, man, Gus Edwards is just an awesome back. Uh, but just missed his mark, you know, as a one-note kind of player. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely and you know this the Ravens backfield who, who knows the, what they're, they're going to end up doing though so we we try to we try to think and we and we hope of what it's going to look like I you just feel like there's so many running back situations like that especially you know when you're looking at the fantasy sets uh, of all these committees where you know, we hope it's going to work out one way and then just on Sunday it never does. Um, so let's, let's move on to, uh, to some of the other games on the slate. I think there's, there's some super uh, interesting games. I mean, Vikings-Packers is, is always something that's going to be interesting, maybe less interesting now that the Vikings are, are not great and the Packers are among the better teams in the league. Um, Rams-Dolphins is, is super fascinating. Uh, what, let's, let's dive into some of the games you guys are, are looking forward to.
2: You know, one game that I like, it's a little bit under the radar, is um, we don't have to talk about this a lot, but I, I did take the Colts minus two and a half in, in Detroit. Um, this play, again, another team off a buy, um, And teams historically uh, off a buy this is kind of a, a, a trend. You know, I don't play a lot of trends, but there's there's some some things to this. Uh, teams historically off a buy that are road favorites, like the Colts are this week, have hit at a 69% um, cover rate. And um, lately, it's been it's been even better. Um, and so, you know, this this applies here. Uh, same, um, and just to me, this is a good matchup for the Colts. I mean, they get Darius Leonard probably back. I mean, he practiced on a limited basis on Wednesday. Um, my guess is he'll be back after missing the last couple of games and then having the bye week to heal up. He's huge uh, when he's in the lineup. I mean, they went from. You know allowing fourteen points per game and you know less than four and a half yards per play and leading the league in, in um, you know negative EPA per play uh, through the first four games to allowing twenty five points um, five point four yards per per attempt and twenty um, fourth in EPA per play in the two games that he missed or you know that he was out so um, I think having him back just you know makes this defense um, you know back to its original self earlier in the season. Um, and they get Michael Pittman back as well, the rookie, most likely uh, the rookie out of USC. He was he was a difference maker early on. And, you know, really, they don't have a lot of juice in their um, you know, wide receiver sets with you know, T.Y. Hilton getting older um, and Zach Paschal. So, I mean, I think he's going to be an important factor. And just the, the, the Lions are one of those teams that just don't rush the passer very well. And we saw that they traded for Everson Griffin. Um, you know, not sure if he's eligible to play yet this week, but, you know, they're 25th in pressure rate. Right? They really don't have anyone to, to rush the to passer and, and you give Philip Rivers time and a clean pocket and that's historically, you know, he's able to, to pick you apart. Um, and so I think they'll be able to do that. Uh, they can run the ball on this really bad Lions uh, run defense with Jonathan Taylor. If you look at um, you know the Colts, Colts use twelve personnel on twenty percent of their snaps, which you know, you know they may or may not use more with Pittman, obviously. But the Lions are dead last in the NFL in success rate uh, against twelve personnel. I mean, they've allowed over six yards per carry and over eleven yards per attempt in the passing game uh, against twelve personnel. So if the the Colts do decide to use you know, Burton and Doyle. And if Mo Mo Ali Cox does uh, play this week, um, you know, take a look at that, that could be an advantage for him. Uh, But I just think here, um, you know, you're getting under a field goal. I think you're getting the much better team. Um, You know, Matt Stafford really hasn't faced a tough set of defenses so far. Fourth easiest, or sorry, sixth easiest uh, schedule of opposing pass defenses in the NFL. Um, So I think he'll have a little tougher time against this Colts defense and he has against the Jags and the Falcons, the two worst pass defenses in the last two weeks. Uh, I just think that, um, you know, a couple of good matchups here and the fact that Colts off a bye getting healthier, I think this is a good spot for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll just, I think the the Detroit part of this is interesting because I think we kind of saw uh, in the last half of that Falcons game, kind of the, the 2019 Matt Stafford that we – you kind of were hoping uh, was going to, we were going to see uh, as healthy at the start of this season. And that just hadn't been there. Um, But we kind of saw they, you know, abandoned the, you know, the, the basically abandoned the run they were you know had to pass on early downs a uh, late in that game and we kind of saw the matt stafford uh, play a little bit of a uh, yolo ball went back to you know the the sidearm throws that uh probably no other quarterback in the league should be making uh but they were you know plays that were working um that that big pass to kenny galladay toward the end of the game is probably a pass that uh it's one of those no 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 oh Okay. Uh, it was kind of one of those, but that's kind of what, what you see when Kenny Galladay is on the field. And that's that's been something that um, has worked well for the Lions at they once Galladay is, uh, came back. So per Sports Info Solutions, uh, when Galladay was off the field, this uh, passing offense uh, averaged 0.06 uh, EPA per play. When Kenny Galladay is on the field, that's 0.18. Um, EPA per play so that allows them to just kind of have something I think that's going to be super interesting to see how uh, that matches up with some of those Indianapolis corners uh, which you know has been playing a a lot of zone coverage I'm going to be interested to see just how um, Detroit is going to work in there Uh, the Detroit offense is uh, you know is something that has left a little bit to desire. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, with the pieces there that we like, they're starting to play DeAndre Swift more like, like we've kind of talked about. So we'll see if that's something that, you know, especially in the passing game, if if Swift can be, you know, a a little more there and not giving, you know, 17 uh, touches to Adrian Peterson, a game that is probably just something uh, no, no one needs anymore in, uh, in 2020. (laughs) So um yeah I think it, it's it is super interesting and you know the, the Lions past defense is know getting a little better they're you know still playing super heavy man coverage I'm not sure how you know much you need to be playing man against um Indianapolis's defense or Indianapolis's offense right now that just doesn't have a guy that you're you're really worried about um even as the offense gets healthy so uh yeah it's, it's super interesting um just, just pieces going forward. And and I think we're just seeing Detroit become better. We were kind of talking about it uh, earlier about how, you know, how big that uh, DeAndre Swift drop in the first game of the season was, um, you know, the lions could be uh, in the mix for the, the top of the, the NFC North. And right now they're, they're still hanging in there for, you know, one of those wild cards. So I, I it's crazy how, you know, that, that one play kind of would have changed so much perception of how some of these teams are playing.
2: Sorry. I didn't mean to bring up this game. It's probably not the most exciting game on the board. Uh, I know you're looking for some of our favorite games, so I didn't mean to bring that game. It's a game I bet. So, uh, but just from a stylistic standpoint, it probably wasn't the most exciting game. So I'll let Rich hit on (laughs) probably a a game that might have more fantasy implication, more fun, uh, more fun uh, action. If you, if you want to go ahead, Rich.
1: I mean, there, there are some of those on the board, but they're not necessarily like great betting matchups. I mean, like, because like Tennessee Cincinnati, like is, is probably real fun for like a fancy stance. But, you know, Tennessee, I think Tennessee's proven like they're kind of matchup proof. I think last week kind of shows like the only thing that hurt them last week was they just didn't run enough plays in the first half because like Dan said, that short Dick and Dunk Steelers offense kept them off the field. But then in the second half, they put kind of a blitz Craig on and kind of like we're in, you know, we probably should definitely tied the game, uh, you know, at at minimum and had a shot to win. I mean, the the Titans are a legit real good offense. Uh, And I have someone that's kind of pushed back because they're a weird team like from a regression stance and how they execute, but they just run pure. And they like what they do works, and I'm not going to
0: fight back against it
1: anymore. Um, yeah, I but think we talked uh, about that of how we're
0: just <laughs> we're waiting for it, and it just it doesn't happen. I kind of I, I tweeted something yeah. uh, earlier in this week about a, a split that just continues. It was a split from twenty. 20- Uh, 19 that I just thought just wouldn't continue and it is Ryan Tannehill being one of the best intermediate passers in the league right now he's still you know uh, among the league leaders in completion rate and on target rate which he just wasn't in Miami that just wasn't a thing but that offense opens it up so much and uh, he's among the has the highest yards after the catch percentage to that area of the field and when you're thinking of you know throws to 11 to 19 yards past the line of scrimmage that's just not a high yards after the catch area but the Titans are able to do that when you look at some of the other quarterbacks who are among the top leaders, um, it's, you know, Jared Goff, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Patrick Mahomes. It's great offensive systems that are creating space in that area. So they have that but when you look at Ryan Tannehill throwing deep um, he has one of the worst on target percentages and one of the worst um, completion percentages on balls that are traveling at least 20 yards in the air. So I think that would be a problem for this Titans offense if they weren't so good at creating opportunities um, in, in that intermediate area. So I think that's something and that's when you look at those fantasy options for Tennessee you know you have A.J. Brown back who's a great yards after the catch uh, player and he's getting those opportunities uh in space in that area you have jenny smith who's doing that so uh, it's something that that's that was the biggest area where i was waiting for a regression and it just it doesn't seem like it's going to happen because they're so well schemed to that area of the field and that's just helping everyone out in that offense yeah, yeah I mean, actually
1: derrick henry play action that's where that that's the level that clears and that's like what they're just eating you know Tanhill's been so good using play action the past two years and it's kind of the, the year and a half when he took over and that's kind of just the area and you talk about john Ew and a.j brown and that's where both those guys went remember a.j brown was that a lot of people thought he's gonna be a big slot guy coming in the nfl because it's what he played in college and he's kind of proven to be an outside an outside guy um then you see like last week takes that short slant we haven't had one of those plays yet from him and he's had a, a small sample but that's like what he did continuously last year
2: yeah, and I, I was uh, – I'm thinking about taking the, the Bengals, although, you know, the problem is that they've got a ton of offensive line injuries. So, Jonah Williams, their number yeah. one pick last year, uh, is out. And I know there's, there's a couple other uh, injuries inside um, for that offensive line. That's that, that, you know, I know that Tennessee doesn't have a great pass rush, but when you're talking about just, you know, sixth and seventh round picks that are going to be starting potentially on that offensive line for, for Cincinnati, that, that kind of gave me pause here. And then William Jackson, who missed last week, he's one of the better corners. You know, he's a good corner, um, the, the best corner by far for the Bengals. And you saw what happened without him last week when Baker Mayfield just tore them apart. Um, hopefully, he's back from a concussion. If I have, you know, if I knew that, you know, maybe one of the linemen and, and Jackson were back, I think that getting six points is, is actually pretty good value. The Bengals just play, you know, they're another fun team with Burrow. I mean, they just play every game close. Um, you know, they're, they've actually underachieved from a Pythagorean uh, point differential expectation, um, the second most in the NFL. I and mean, they really should be a three-win team, and they're at one. And then Tennessee, on the other hand, is, you know, they play a lot of close games, even in wins. I mean, they only have a plus 35 point differential um, as, a, as a team that's, you know, what, five and one. So, you know, I think close to the best games, I, I don't – you know, the Tennessee defense really isn't good enough to lay a bunch of points on the road, I think, versus any offense that can, you know, can move it down the field um and so to me this is one that you know if I could get some some positive injury news um from the Bengals in the next couple of days I think they're definitely worth a look because at very least you got a a strong Joe uh Joe Burrow backdoor situation I mean that guy loves to 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 get kind of late I mean he's a scary quarterback when you're betting against him I was on the Browns last week and just as a fan too he's a scary quarterback to go up against late in games. I mean, he just gets the job done. He's 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 kind of like, you know, I'm I'm equating him in Herbert so far to, you know, he's more of like the Drew Brees kind of short intermediate kind of dink and dunk you to death. And he's so accurate and so on time um, with the shorter passes, especially on third downs. Uh, whereas Herbert's kind of the, you know, moon ball, take the long shots um, deep down the field. Uh, but, you know, Burrow is just a guy that, you know, you want to have in your back pocket when you're getting a bunch of points. So, um, from a betting perspective, like I said, I'm going to take a look at this injury report going forward just because I think both teams just play too many close games here, um, you know, to, to, to lay that many. But I, I think this is one of the better, you know, kind of more fun, under-the-radar fun games, I think, uh, that are going to be out there on Sunday.
0: And they call thing- the
1: Bengals. are uh, Bengals just play fun games, but you nailed it. I mean, Burrow's fifth in the NFL in completion rate on throws within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, and he's 29th. Outside of it. And some of that is, you know, offensive line induced. Can't really set up, you know, the the timing that you want to see with their offensive line. I mean, he's on pace for like 770 dropbacks this year, which is pretty insane. And he's, (laughs) you know, probably going to get sacked 75 times. (laughs) Not quite that much, but it's, it's, it's crazy amount of uh, sacks he's going to take just because the Bengals just keep throwing. They just keep throwing. They throw on first down a lot. They throw on second down a lot. They throw on third down a lot. They just keep throwing all game. Uh, He really reminds me of rookie year Andrew Luck it really it's a very similar situation to me uh we're luck through like 600 some passes and you know he's got a little more, more better weaponry than luck had when luck had to throw 130 times to donny avery and to like a 36 year old reggie wayne although he's burrows throwing a bunch of passes to the ghost of uh aj green here but uh, they're just gonna keep throwing they don't care
0: yeah, absolutely. And the thing is they're they're starting to, I think, figure out what Burrow, you know, can and can't do. And then they're starting to try to make that offense a little better for him. And obviously they, they started out in the beginning of the year. They've been working, you know, with those empty sets. All year, and that's you know part of to make up for the offensive line that just hasn't been good. And it's what Burrow did a lot of at LSU. So they were getting those empty sets. They were hitting those you know short throws, and that's where Burrow's worked really well. He's one of the best intermediate throwers already in the league, especially uh, by EPA per attempt. Uh, he's you know in the top three uh, of uh, EPA per attempt into the intermediate area. And, and where he needs work is is those deeper passes, and he hasn't really hit you know. Uh, a touch deep pass uh, where he's been able to, you know, lead a receiver and, he, you know, one of like you said, uh, over 15 yards, especially over 20 yards. It's, he's one of the, the worst in the league right now. One of the lowest completion percentages. but over the past couple of weeks, they've started working in some back shoulder throws and he's getting chemistry there with AJ green. Nice. Now I think they, they hit a couple uh, a in, a. In, nice. in the Cleveland game. Yeah. So he's getting those deep passes, but they're, they're the back shoulder throws. They're, they're not leading the receiver. It's not those, you know, rainbow deep Deep balls, uh, but they're starting to work in more of those back shoulder throws. Uh, he had, you know, a couple to AJ Green. I think he had one to T Higgins also uh, against Cleveland. So if that can be a piece of the offense they're working in now, especially against you know uh, Tennessee corners that just haven't been great, especially with the Dory Jackson out, um, I think that that could be interesting. I think that could be how they're starting to get chunk gains because I think part of what the Bengals' offense wasn't really doing is that they couldn't get these chunk gains because those big plays just weren't hitting. They could, you know, dink and dunk and move the ball a little bit but they didn't have great you know yards after the catch guys you know Tyler Boyd and and T Higgins can can work there but that's still just that's not their game they can win in that area but they're they're not the the catch and run guys um so if they can start getting some of these um you know back shoulder throws uh more and and can open up eventually a, a deep play that can be open and broken hit I think that's super interesting for them um, so uh, let's, let's move from one rookie back, one rookie quarterback to uh, another and to a tag of a i glad start. you're hitting
2: on this game. Yeah, I was just say, we got to talk super, about. Tour.
0: Yeah. I'm super excited uh, about this game and just by the, the matchup and, you know, it, rookie quarterback getting his first start uh, against Aaron Donald with, uh, an offensive line that has not been great, especially on the interior, you know, that'll be, um, something to watch, but you know, w- what the Miami dolphins uh, have been doing, I think has, has been working. And they've kind of been doing sort of a uh, college offense a little bit. Uh, Brian Fitzpatrick, uh, wed the league in uh, pass attempts from pistol with two backs. And I think that's, you know, it just going to be a super fun thing that I think Tua can, um, just uh, immediately step into and that's something he's going to be working. So I think they've kind of been putting in um, some elements in the Ryan Fitzpatrick offense that should be there for Tua. And I think that was kind of part of their plan to get all of this going and, and eventually put Tua in. So um, yeah. W- what are we thinking about this game? Cause I'm really excited to watch this.
2: Yeah. I mean, it should be fun game. I, I'm, you know, I, I thought Tua, um, you know, really um, you know, uh, to me, it was a clear number one pick, although um, obviously the injury factor um, played a lot, you know, into him uh, dropping. But, you know, it's crazy. You look at some of the numbers. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick was third in the NFL on first down in terms of EPA per play, per drop back. Um, I mean, this is a top 10 offense with uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, running the show. Obviously, this is this is clearly the plan. I mean, they 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 planned this after the bye they probably did not think that they were going to be this good on offense with Fitzpatrick when they made this change. So it is kind of unprecedented to see a situation like this. Usually you don't see a, a team doing this well on offense, um, even with a rookie quarterback behind them doing this. Um, but I mean, I think it's definitely, you know, they're not going to win anything in the playoffs with Fitzpatrick. So they know that they just want to get to ready to go. They really have had an easy schedule. They haven't really faced Mm-hmm. Too much uh, tough competition. I mean, the, the, the Niners are probably the best team they face, and that was you know Jimmy G's first game back. He was rusty, and then that entire I mean, that was the debacle with their secondary was all out. So I you know Fitzpatrick took advantage, but they haven't played any. You know, looking at the other side of the ball, they haven't played any offense opposing offense that is um, you know top twelve in, in uh, pressure rate, lowest pressure rate allowed. I mean, it's every every um, offense they face have had some you know trouble. Uh, you know, they, they played some really bad teams like the Jags and the Jets as well in um, New England, who we've seen is really struggling. So now you, you've got a Rams team coming off a short week going cross country, which is, a, you know, a different factor in itself. But just from a pure matchup standpoint, uh, I mean, the Rams have matchups up and down the field. I mean, they're fourth best in run offense um, efficiency against the 30th ranked run defense. I mean, um, they're eighth in explosive run percentage. Miami's allowed the second most explosive runs in the NFL um, you're looking at uh, a, a pass defense that, you know, has, has been okay, but you know, the 23rd in explosive pass plays allowed. Um, and we know that Goff is really good. He's just a totally different quarterback when he's protected. He doesn't have to go up against a big pass rush and Miami, you know, kind of middle of the pack um, in terms of uh, pass rush. But as I mentioned, they haven't faced a good offensive line um, all season and the Rams are second in essentially lowest pressure rate allowed and golf is just much better as you know with a clean pocket one of the best in the nfl so from just that perspective i think the rams have a ton of really good matchups um and it's just a matter of you know how good you know can tua right away duplicate what fitzpatrick has done i just i just can't see it so from a you know from a Benning standpoint i actually like the rams here a little bit um i just don't think that you know he might be okay but he's not going to just step in and do what, you know, essentially be one of the top five uh, passing offenses on early downs in the NFL like Fitzpatrick has done. Um, and he's got to go up against Aaron Donald and, you know, w- whatever they're doing with Jalen Ramsey, kind of moving them all around. And here's an interesting trend. Again, uh, not a huge trend guy typically, but there are a couple that have made sense for me. And you look at, you know, oh, you, normally you would say, oh, a home team off a bye getting points. That's like slam dunk, right? You should take the home dog every time. Going back to two thousand and sixteen, um, home dogs of, of more than three points, so clearly a inferior opponent which we have here, um, getting at least eight days of rest, so either off a of buy or just you know maybe they played a Thursday prior. those teams are one in nineteen against the spread since two thousand and sixteen it's just been you know phenomenal run of these road favorites, and we know the Rams. Um, you know, going east to, or going west to east at one o'clock hasn't been an issue at all. I mean, they've really blown out teams. We've seen it, you know, uh, you know, they lost to Buffalo, but that was a, you know, the last second loss, they they destroyed both Washington and Philly this year, um, going back since McVeigh has taken over uh, as head coach, they've really, really succeeded in this spot. The interesting thing is, I don't know how many times it's been a short week, though. And so um, that's the one caveat is, is that kind of short rest going to be a, a big detriment to them. But I think. Separate from that, all things point to the Rams here. But I just think it's going to be fun to watch Tua in general. I really want to watch him play um, against a good defense like this. So that that's going to be interesting from, from all perspectives.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly looking at it, too, just from, you know, one, I want to see Tua play, but... To get a feel what we can have, you know, moving forward with this offense from a fantasy stance and, you know, not to make it the fantasy segment, but, uh, you know, Brian Fitzpatrick has been a legit fantasy war rig wherever he's gone. He's carried elevated players for fantasy. This is the type of player he is. He's a hyper aggressive thrower. I'm really curious to see if Tua is going to give a guy like Devontae Parker 50-50 balls. You know, because that's where, that's really what reinvigorated re Parker's career. That's how he wins. He's not a guy that gets a lot of separation. Uh, and Fitzpatrick was a guy that was willing to give him those throws. Like always, that's where Mike Gusecki wins. Mike Gusecki wins up, up upstairs on the top shelf. Uh, so I'm really curious to see if Tua, is more of like a rhythm passer, is willing to take some of those chances and throw the ball in the tight windows and see if that hurts some of these guys or lowers some of their fantasy ceilings uh, in a sense. Um, but I'm excited to see Tua, especially like I said, the matchup, you know, with this Rams defense. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, it's just, just it's hard to objectively from a matchup stance, like find a lot of areas where that are in the Dolphins' favor here, especially when you talk about their offensive line. And that's Something that is factored in. You have Fitzpatrick, you know, making throws under pressure and how is Tua going to react? We just don't know. Uh, so it's going to be exciting to see that. But we've seen these other guys thriving. Burrow and Justin Herbert have thrived under pressure so far to start the year. Hopefully Tua can too. And we've got another really good player on our hands because we just really want as many good players as we can, especially at the quarterback position uh, in the NFL. So I hope, hopefully, it works out uh, and he hits as well. I'm excited to see how they play it though. Because the Dolphins defense, too, I know Dan wrote about them in the offseason. I know he, he's a big fan of what they're doing defensively schematically what they can do you know coming out of the bye, because they have faced a lot of really good opponents but I think fundamentally they have a good approach to and what they want to do in terms of missing mixing up the how they play cover zero and then they they'll they bring a lot of they bring a lot of different pressures uh, so I'm curious to see what they could do because that's where golf's weakness is and if they can get home on a few of these you know obviously you just get golf off script um but I'm also just more or less too worried about the Rams just being able to just run the ball at will here and the Rams have been so good running the football uh, that Miami is not good at stopping the run. So, I mean, we're really curious to see how it plays. It's just hard to find matchups that favor Miami. But I just want to see Tua in general and how this offense is going to function under him and if he's willing to kind of, you know, like I said, get those 50-50 balls that we were uh, always consistently have seen from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah,
2: that's, that's...
1: – I don't know,
2: Wait, Dan, real quick. I don't know if you, if you did any studies on this in, during for the draft, just for me you mentioned uh, rich the kind of 50 50 balls and you know is it going to be similar to what Fitzpatrick did I mean I just recall all he did at Alabama was throw slants and posts right I felt like that was like 90 percent of his throws I don't know if you saw any of that you know, Dan or if you, if you got any comment on on uh, kind of the types of throws that, that Tua had uh back at Alabama
0: I I didn't really uh, look into I don't have that um you know, specifically, but I know I did look when I, I did some of the, you know, the, the accuracy and looking at that Two it's is just it's super accurate to every area of the field. So I'm not really worried about that, but, you know, Rich, like you said, whether it's, you know, he's going to be trying to fit into uh, some of the, the tight windows that, you know, Devonte Parker uh, kind of creates or, or, you know, the separation he doesn't create. Uh, I think that that'll be the interesting thing to watch and how that, you know, that offense works. And like you said, on defense, yeah, Miami's defense is just super fascinating. The, the coverage is exactly what you want to do is what you were hoping was going to happen when, you know, they signed uh, Byron Jones, uh, Xavier Howard, uh, back David Howard playing like one of the the best corners in the league right now and there were some trade rumors uh with him that bubbled up uh, I think Miami kind of shot those down that didn't make a lot of sense it doesn't make sense to you to trade one of those really good corners and you know but the split is there Miami is sixth in DVOA against the pass they're 32nd uh, in DVOA against the run so yeah if you know um if the Rams are going to be running it and controlling the clock of that. And I wrote uh, this week, uh, I might be writing about the Dolphins uh, on Friday. Uh, I'm not completely sure yet, but maybe, but I wrote this week about what the the Rams uh, and 49ers have kind of done using their, their jet motion and um, kind of shifting of how they're using it and com- uh, continually adding new wrinkles uh, to have that. And one of the things the, the Rams had done was, you know, last year, that jet guy just wasn't a threat. He, he wasn't getting the ball um at all. So uh, late in 2018 and through like all of 2019, no defense has reacted to what that jet guy was doing because he just w- wasn't getting the ball. Uh, but this year uh, they're, they're leading the league uh, in uh, jet motion runs and Robert Woods ha- has been great there. I think that's another area of why the Rams have been so good there. I think that's a place they can uh, exploit Miami. So, so we'll see that. And then now that the defense is uh, reacting to the jet guy, because he can get the ball that's opening up some lanes in the regular running game. So we'll see, it, it's going to be um, a big dynamic there. And we We just might see the Rams, you know, turn into uh, this run and ball control offense, and we might not get to see uh, Tua all that much. But I think just in the long run, uh, excited to see what this first game is going to look like and what that is going to uh, be like, you know, going down the road. Um, So let's uh, continue to move on. I think let's say with one of the NFC West – in the NFC West uh, with the the 49ers and Seahawks this is going to just be you know Jimmy Garoppolo kind of like we talked about with the Ben Roethlisberger has turned into this you know a quick throw it, never throw it uh beyond the line of scrimmage a type thing and in that jet motion piece that I wrote um the the 49ers started using that jet motion tap pass uh and they started it uh week six against the Rams they use it a, a little bit uh this past week and that's something they didn't use either um so they're starting to get that get the ball out of Jimmy garoppolo's hands you know debo Samuel's going to be out but brandon ayuk has that ability to do that and they're they're really good at building screens off of um off of that jet motion uh, and that's been really interesting to watch and the seahawks i mean again no normal games for the seahawks ever um <laughs> uh so uh and they just they don't have a defense uh, that is really any good anywhere right now but we like we've talked about, we like the pieces in the secondary. Jamal Adams might be back, so that could help. Um, but we're going to be seeing this, this Seahawks passing offense uh, against a C- San Francisco secondary that, that's getting much better. Uh, has some corners that could sack up. Uh, you know, man, the Tyler Lockett had 20 targets uh, last week as um, DK Metcalf wasn't really. Um, you know involved in that passing game but we just have russell wilson just you know making things happen so uh, you know at seahawks 49ers game when both of these teams are good that's one of the most fun things you could watch on a sunday afternoon
1: do you think teams look at that and they like arizona looks at that and they how dk metcalf was so limited and they think that like yeah we accomplished what we wanted to do there and then they realized they just let Drake or Patrick just get slaughtered repeatedly, uh, yeah, and Drake let a guy go for two hundred yards. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it's so funny. Like me and my son were watching the game, and he was like, "Yeah, it's working, but it's not really working." Like it's like yeah, <laughs> it's like you know, right? It's it's one of those things. Like it's like yeah, sure, you you accomplish what you did. You 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 shut down DK Metcalf, but also over here you just got you just got completely roasted um it's interesting this game is interesting because we know how to beat Seattle and it's not anything the 49ers do (laughs) like and so I mean how to you know we talk about Kyle Shanahan being one of these guys like the approach they're gonna have and I don't know if he's really going to waver. I mean, I think the 49ers are going to do kind of what he views they're successful at doing, but it's interesting dynamic because the way to beat Seattle is with wide receiver play and with vertical passing, and that's not anything the 49ers do on any level. They use their wide receivers less than any team in the NFL, uh, and they don't go and they don't go deep. And they don't throw uh they only throw when they have to. I mean, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, he's leading the NFL in yards for pass attempt on first downs, but he'sn't throwing first down ever. So, I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see. He's his Season high in dropbacks is 37. And if you look at uh, against Seattle, just the the way they force teams to play, I mean, 56, 47, 62, 52, 42, 52 dropbacks against them in their games. It's just not what the 49ers do, uh, but it is kind of the way you kind of, it's built in to beat Seattle. I mean, they're actually decent against the run because they have just big, like run stuffing guys instead of pass rushers. And they did add Carlos Dunlap. I don't think he's going to be able to play Right. I don't think. No, 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 he won't be
0: able to get in by Yeah, So he's not
1: going to be here, but they, they have guys built to stop the run, but don't get after the passer. This is the way they they built their team uh, outside of, you know, adding Dunlop. So it's just not what the four ers are doing. So stylistically, it's an intriguing game because it's like, what do the 49ers do? Do they come out and build a game plan to attack Seattle where they're most vulnerable? Or do they make Seattle try to stop what they're good at, which is, They've kind of gone back to their bread and butter the past two weeks, which, like you said, is that short kind of passing game, the quick passing game, and then all the motion runs, all the movement runs. And you've seen it. They just, they just went right down the field against Patriots repeatedly on all those. I mean, it's it, they can plug in any guy. I mean, Jamichael Hasty, Tevin Coleman might be back this game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because they played two really good games last year too as well. Even when the 49ers was as good as they were last year – Russ played well in those games, and Russ is playing at a different level this year. It looks like Kaywan Williams might come back for the 49ers this week as well. Uh, still no Sherman. He still weighs off. But the secondary after the Dolphins game has kind of bounced back uh, and played a little bit better. But I'm interested in this game just because it's not the way we typically would take, attack Seattle. It, the 49ers don't do that. And Minnesota is, is a, the team that kind of ran all over them the first half, and they got scripted out of it. But Minnesota is also a team that takes a lot of deep shots, like their passing game is built on taking deep shots and the 49ers aren't so I'm curious to see like how it just plays out.
2: I mean, I, I took uh, San Francisco you know, when line open, it was three and a half early on Monday, I grabbed it right away. I think it's down to two and a half. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't take it here. Um, I think the three, three and a half is really the key number. And again, based, you know, opposite all the matchups and everything. I mean, this has just come down to me. For me, is that Seattle's a steal? A bunch of injuries. Um, their secondary is still bad. Um, even if Jamal Adams comes back, um, they just can't blow teams out. I mean, this is remarkable. You know, they've only won one game by more than um, by more than uh, eight points in their last uh, eighteen games. I mean, one game is all the all the, the only time they've they've done that, and that was the the opener against uh, Atlanta. They won by thirteen. So they just don't blow anybody out. They keep games close, um, and their defense stinks. I mean, it's just flat out. Their defense stinks, and you go up against a, you know, a team in in San Francisco that's going to be able to move the ball. I just think you know the three and a half was too many points. I'm not saying they're going to win. Um, I think you know two and a half three is the right number. Um, but you know, this is just a rival, you know, good rivalry. Two teams that know each other going to play a close game. It's just a matter of you know kind of who has the ball last. Um, and to me, this is a you know uh, we'll be interesting to see with Seattle's all those injuries that running back for Seattle is <laughs> Pete Carroll going to continue to um, you know let Russ uh, throw the ball even more I, I don't know but um, you know I, I'm I always like this matchup I think it's a fun matchup I just don't you just can't lay points with Seattle anymore with that defense with against a competent offense you just can't do it so um, this is just for me a, a play against uh, Seattle just not being able to blow anybody out so uh, give me over, over a field goal otherwise, and you know, I'm just going to pass and watch a game.
1: Dan, I'm going to give you a, a, a homework assignment. Uh, maybe, right. something, maybe something for you to – an idea maybe to write about in the next couple of weeks or look I, into. you. I love those. <laughs> uh, so Seattle's been like – they're the second worst passing team on third downs in the NFL, which is crazy when you think about how good Russell Wilson's been this year. But they are the first on first and second down. Like so, like, what is going on that they are Let's so bad on third downs uh passing compared to you know these early downs, and we've seen Russ last last week, you know he, he throws a big third down interception that basically loses the game. uh I'm just curious because they're the thirty first and third down conversion rate uh but uh they're first and se- first and second down.
0: Hey, well, maybe that's what I'm writing on Friday instead of, uh, <laughs> instead of about the Dolphins. So uh, we'll see. Uh, thank you for that. I will uh, definitely take that into consideration. Die in the sky. <laughs> yeah, it's great. The, the more ideas. So uh, one of the things I, I like about writing first and 10 every week um, is that, you know, I just kind of get to dive into everything. One of the things I don't like about writing first and 10 every week is I've already written about 10 things. Uh, by Monday morning. So when it comes to what I'm writing for the rest of the week, I'm trying to figure that out. So that is that is a dilemma I have uh, put myself into uh, with that article. Um, But uh, before we get off the San Francisco here, um, I think one of the things is Kyle Shanahan, I think just gets his like scheming superpower uh, when he doesn't believe in his quarterback. Um, and (laughs) (laughs) like, when, when he's putting in Nick Mullins, like we saw that, that year and Nick Mullins, like really had a start, they we're still like a a efficient passing offense uh, because he just, he knows he has to overcompensate for the quarterback. And I think we've kind of seen the past two weeks after the Jimmy Garoppolo injury, after he was benched in that game, I think we kind of saw the Kyle Shanahan just go into super schemer mode. um, And he's really figured that out. So, you know, we saw what they did against the Rams. We saw what they did against uh, the Patriots. And I think he's just, he's working overtime to, Uh, really overcompensate for whatever the current version of Jimmy Garoppolo is, whether it's for injury, whether it's just for, you know, The the play he has. So I think we're going to see uh, some really interesting things from him because I think he realizes he needs to take control of that offense. Um, And and I'm not totally sure he has complete faith in Jimmy Garoppolo like he might have had in the past. So I think we'll, whether we see them, you know, take deep shots or something, I think we'll we'll definitely see something that is going to make them exploit whatever the Seahawks are are going to be doing. so I think we've, we've hit a bunch of games. Is, is there anything else that, that stands out uh, for you guys as we, uh, as we look for n- anything else that's, that's on the slate?
1: Just real quick. You guys give me both short answers. Is this the Mandius Patriots moment? Are they, are they completely dead? No, I actually think this is a good matchup
2: for them, right? Like Buffalo cannot stop anybody on the ground. We saw what the chiefs did and that's the only thing that new England could do is run the ball. I think this is uh, you know, I've actually, I, I, I'm contemplating pulling the trigger on the three and a half for new England. They just, they burned me last week. Like, what a terrible play that was. I took them against San Francisco. I don't know what I was thinking. Horrible matchup. I thought it was just a matter of a hey, cam. Didn't get practice time. You know, they're just kind of all whacked out there. It was a, it was a bad week against mm-hmm. Denver. They're going to bounce back and it was a horrible, much better matchup. And I just, I mean, we're seeing the real Josh Allen, by the way, I think uh, no more MVP Josh Allen talk. Um, He's been awful lately. So um, this is uh, this could I think this is to cover maybe to win. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But I think from a pure uh, one week matchup perspective, I think the Patriots are 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 due to to play well this week.
0: I think it just depends on whether Cam Newton's healthy or not. Uh, if he's not and he's gonna you know play like he has been the past couple of weeks, then yeah, then yeah, they're they're dead. They can't do anything because so much of what we liked about their offense was you know built around that run game, and that was a lot of you know the, the Cam Newton designed quarterback runs. He was running you know 12 and 15 times a game, and, and they're not doing that the past couple of weeks. Um, and they just they don't have offensive weapons that can bring a, an efficient passing game, and the defense just isn't as good. But we, we knew that. But what was the, you know, the the saving grace was that, that offense was, was really good. Um, and it was well-designed. And I think just over the past couple of weeks, and I think we kind of have to remember, you know, Cam Newton had the COVID a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I'm not sure if that's the reason, but you know, if he's not a hundred percent physically, there's a completely reasonable explanation for that. And I think we've, we've kind of see that going forward. So if Cam is not completely healthy and he's not going to be able to be that, you know, Superman figure that was leading that offense at the beginning of the year, then yeah, they're, they're just not going to be able to do anything. Thank
2: you. What receiver are they going to trade for? You got any predictions? Good. I mean, they're either going to I mean, they could, if they lose, there's, I think Stefan Gilmore might be gone. Right. I mean, I, I, why not? Why wouldn't you just sell at this point? Like, what are you going to do? Why are you holding pizza? But if they win, maybe it's worth taking a shot. I mean, it sounds crazy. Like, an AJ Green or just somebody who can at least help that offense.
1: What worked out last year when they traded that second for <laughs> Muhammad? It made
2: no sense, though. <laughs> Muhammad Sanu was not even, he was already cooked. I don't understand what that trade I think that was just like, a, that's a Belichick type guy, right? That's like a uh, a good blocker, kind of a smart, you know, smart veteran player. Came from Rutgers. He loves Shiano and Rutgers. Like that was kind of a weird, weird one. But yeah, he needs actual talent, I think, on the outside.
1: I mean, they yeah. should have oh, played Jacoby Myers more. I mean, the guy, anytime he's had to play, like he's been kind of like, at least in context of the Patriots wide receivers, <laughs> he's been good. And uh, Keel Harry experiment. I just don't, I just don't see it, man. I just don't think he's a guy that is really going to fit, you know, a lot of offenses. Definitely not what the Patriots want to do, but anytime Myers has played the, the past few years, he's been okay.
0: Yeah, we'll see. When you're building an offense around no wide receivers and no tight ends, it's, it's hard yeah. to throw the ball. Uh, and that's just kind of what, what the reality <laughs> the Patriots have right now. Um, and, and, you know, even some of the moves that they've tried to made, just, you know, just something happens. It mm-hmm. doesn't work. Like even the Sanu trade, uh, as much as bad as the, the second round pick looked, you know, Sanu also, you know, sprained his ankle once he got to the Patriots. So that sapped out even more productivity. So anything that could have been salvaged from that trade, I uh, just was completely sapped once he, you know, had the injury when he was on new England. And then you look at, you know, they, they tried to draft two tight ends this year. Neither one of them have really hit Devin Asiasi can't even see the field. Um, and, uh, so I think they were just kind of hoping they could build this offense in one way, um, and, and it just hasn't worked. And, and without Cam Newton being the Cam Newton he was for the first two weeks, there's just there's there's no way this offense can can move the ball. Um, they have to be a run heavy offense because just passing, It's just it's not going to work. They don't even have the guys they can really scheme open. Like you said, Nikhil Harry just he can't even be schemed open, uh, which is uh, just how much he struggled to separate. So um, we'll see there. Um, I think we we'll know before for uh we go for this uh monday night game um there has now just been a giants player who uh has tested positive um for covid uh i believe that is uh will hernandez has been placed on the covid list a couple of giants coaches have been sent home um so um yeah, they're playing on monday night so it does give them an extra day to see uh what's going on and have you know everyone else test negative uh but we will keep an eye out uh, for that, we should just uh, note that at the end of the show here. So um, and don't forget the uh, whether you if you're listening to this before uh, the Thursday night game, um, the point total of Thursday night's uh, Panthers Falcons game uh, is going to be the discount code uh, for all of the. Um, Uh, anything you can get at at sharp football analysis. So, uh, and if you're listening to that after that, it's still, if you're listening to this on Friday, it's the code going to be good for all Friday. So, um, just keep an eye out for that. Um, so, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can find Rich on Twitter at Ward uh, Reeves. You can find uh, his worksheet at Shark Football Analysis. Still, you know, the the best place you can get any fantasy information. Listen to the Pre-Snap Motion uh, podcast, which Rich does with uh, Chad Scott. That's a great fantasy podcast. You can find TA on Twitter at Cleave TA. Uh, he's going to have a, a betting preview up uh, later in this week. Uh, and check out uh, his injury report. We have kind of the, the most in-depth injury report uh, that you could be wanting for, for betting and, and fantasy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.